uh, kia ora, I'm here with Mark uh, and we want to have a little conversation about just about about prayer. Mark's been on a particular journey in regards to some more traditional prayer practices and um, we had the benefit of that recently and so we just wanted to have a chat about prayer and about some of these um, practices and consider that in the wider discussion around Lent and what we're doing with that. So. When, when people think about prayer, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, words and images and things that come to mind for particular people. So let's just start off, Mark. What, what words and images come to your mind when you hear the word prayer? Um, I guess from our church tradition, sort of growing up, there was, I think our, our open brethren tradition has, has valued prayer pretty strongly, whether it's gathering and praying as, as uh, prayer meetings or whether it's uh, in private space at home. You know, I was taught to have a quiet time where you'd read a little bit and then you'd read a devotion and then you'd pray to God, dear God, help me today, dear God, bless family, whatever. Yep. Um, we'd pray for meals. So there was always that praying to God sort of an aspect. So I think we've been strong in that. Um, I think over church history, Prayer has been more than that, though. The, not just the aspect of the asking or the petition of prayer, but the actually centering in prayer, actually being in prayer, and more contemplative practices. So it's not an either or, but I think we're, you know, we're focused sort of on one side of it, which is great. Mm. Uh, but there's more to it than that. Um, you know, actually grounding us in prayer and actually being present in God rather than just talking to God. So yep. you know, it's part of that two-way conversation. Okay. Um, my experience is similar to yours, Mark, you know, growing up and, and there was a lot of prayer in particular sort of situations and it felt like you would, you know, okay, you stop here and this is the, when you pray around a meal or a particular ministry or da-da-da-da. And so, um, as you say, those those prayers were good and, and healthy and it was great to sort of see that. But there's a, a, a sense in some ways that there's a wider opportunity with mm. elements to do with um, with prayer so when we think of prayer what are some of the other elements that you think of prayer as obviously petition is one of them asking we see at Philippians 4 Mm. Mm. God wants to know what's on our mind and what we're thinking what are some of the elements you think of with prayer well I mean there's also intercession praying for people standing in the gap for people Um, you know even you know in the Old Testament you had Moses you know coming and almost more than persuading, like actually going at God, you see the psalmist lamenting to God. Um, 60% of the psalms are lament, so that's something that, you know, we don't quite know how to sit in the dark stuff, so um, there's certainly the other forms of prayer there, but also the the sitting in God's presence in silence and allowing God to uh, speak peace and grace back into us, you know, those promises that are through the Bible, actually allowing those to seep into our hearts if you like which sounds very emotive but i mean actually you know changing our emotions our our deeper selves rather than just the intellectual level which is um probably where we've majored i guess that's a product of our enlightenment sort of thinking that we've sort of been raised in the last two three hundred years so very much on the intellectual level but actually allowing things to sink into the heart and change our our emotions so to do that we have to slow down a little bit i think you know we've sort of 
we quite often rush into prayer. Like we come and write, right, we're into here's into the list, and we're going to pray for this, and we're going to pray for Ukraine, and we're going to pray for all these things, which is all great. Um, but actually, resting and pausing in God's presence first, and allowing us to sort of get God's sense of what He might want to say, you know, rather than Father, can you, Father, what do you want to talk about this morning, yeah. if you like, you know? Yeah. When we talk about listening to God or hearing God's voice, or you know those types of things, it it um, I guess it evokes in us a little bit of mystery here. Mm. What does God's voice sound like? How do I know when God is talking? Um, why do you think we uh, a struggle a little bit to think of that way? And but what are some parameters around us that help us to know that we are listening to God? I think perhaps our problem with it, I mean, one, it's probably, again, it's, it's that enlightenment thing, you know, the, the, the scientific inquiry, you've got to be able to, you know, see, smell, touch, taste, you know, whatever the fifth one is, hear, um, <laughs> something for it to be real, whereas hearing God's voice, you don't hear it through any of those channels, really. Uh, so we're not quite sure what to do with that on a scientific level. Um, within our church community, I mean, spiritual life with God, I mean, automatically exists outside that. So we don't struggle with that side of it, but maybe hearing God, there's possibly a reaction to some over the top or excessive or even toxic sort of manifestations of that. Right. Uh, and some some other sort of church traditions. And so we're like, whoa, draw right back from that. Like, Where people say, I hear the voice yeah, of God. Yeah, they say, Lord, you know, you massive sort of... Um, speaking over people and, and that's probably instances where that's been abused I mean those are probably minorities but we, we hear those in our minds so we're like whoa that's a how do you know you've heard from God you've been out in the sun too long you've been you know uh, whereas you know actually maybe it's it's a lot I think we probably need to demystify that a little bit because clearly right through scripture God speaks to his servants those that are listening um, and I don't see where that, that was meant to stop and that we don't hear that today I mean through church history the last 2,000 years we have you know not just charismatic sort of people as we would see out there but I mean you really mainline guys C.S. Lewis, Dietrich Bonhoeffer um, you know these guys that are like hearing God is vital um, so yeah what does God's voice sound like well um, when we think of hearing, I think we think of audible words, not necessarily through the ears, but even in the heart, we have to make sense of a sentence structure. You know, right. God's going to speak to us in English or whatever, and it's like, well, maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's, you know, just uh, an impression in our in our mind. Maybe it's, uh, you know, as you as you're resting and as you manage to sift all the other stuff out, actually, like, why did I? just suddenly think of that picture why did this word come to mind why did that verse come to mind like why you know god god gave us our imaginations so maybe it's not that we're imagining it but that god works through that uh, god works through emotions um god is god is not a feeling but he is felt so right. that's actually within us um that's good and so what does that sound like well god speaks as he's revealed himself to us in scripture so you know often it will be through remembering those verses of god as well you get through the psalms i mean so many promises to us in the psalms that you know those meditate on his word will be like a tree planted by streams of water i mean god god delights in us god rescues and reaches down to us um we are beautifully and, and intimately made uh deep in the depths of the earth um as far as the east is from the west that's how far god's removed our sins from us i mean all all of those are promises that actually resting in them, meditating on them, then become actually God's 
voice to us, not just that it's in the remembering, but that God actually applies that to us. Right. Um, so God always speaks in love. I mean, God is a God of love. We see that right through. Um, we went through a series last year on the fruits of the Spirit. Well, the Spirit is one of the three persons of the Trinity. The, the Spirit is God. So these are the fruits of God. So God is going to speak to us from those fruits. They are Him. Mm. Um, so words that he'll say to us will always be you know, love, joy, peace, patience, etc. Um, those are some examples. I yeah, guess. it made me think um, how in prophecy we often think of prophecy as prediction, yeah. whereas the majority of prophecy in scripture is things that have already been revealed but the prophet brings them to bear in the time that they're, that they're in, you know? Yeah. So it's not necessarily new information and it made me wonder a little bit, that's type of what here is God's revealed himself in scripture and there's so much depth to that that we don't, let alone under, uh, we, we, we struggle to understand it all, let alone let it sink deep within our, yeah. within our soul is that prayer or listening to God isn't so much hearing all these new things, it's actually making those things very real both in our mind but also deep within our within our soul. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think prophecy is another thing along with prayer that's worth demystifying a little bit. Like, we, we see those, you know, thus says the Lord, you know, someone's prophesying over this. And, and maybe it can be that, but it's probably more exceptional. And maybe it's the day-to-day, -day actually God speaking to us. I mean, revealing something to us about, I noticed you this morning and you look tired. That's, no, no, you don't need a soothsayer to be able to predict <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that. I mean, it's like, I just noticed something in you. Prophecy right. could be seeing the thing underlying or the thing behind the thing that no one else has quite noticed that you're just like, I noticed that guy's down. Maybe I should just go and encourage him. You know, First Corinthians 14, Paul talks all about prophecy. He wishes everyone would prophesy. It's not telling future stuff over each other, but encouraging each other, yep. lifting each other up, the strengthening of the church in that. And yep. I mean, it can be stuff that we couldn't have otherwise known, but it's not necessarily always that. It could be much less. It could be just encouraging and building each other up. Yes. And, and often that's what it is. You know, you hear people talk, we have it in our own lives of going, you need to go and have a chat with that person over there mm. or someone's brought to mind to pray for them and then reach out to them in, mm. in particular ways and and then all of a sudden you realize why yeah and, and you know that's that's just examples of god totally. utilizing ways yeah. of of speaking to and us i don't want to sterilize those things down to a really low level i mean they can be that but we've sort of drifted away from there so maybe it's just starting low just starting with prayer as just listening to god's simple voice through scripture that's an mm. area we're comfortable in like starting there um, yeah. yeah. Part of that, I, I wonder, is in prayer. We were chatting before about you know what, what, how we understand prayer, and one of them is this: we live in a world that is full of deceit and, and outright lies about mm. who we are mm. and how we should live. That prayer is actually bringing us back to a place of what reality is, yeah. rather than the kind of fantasy lie we, we, we sort of. You know, yeah, I mean. Part of that's the human condition. I mean, Adam and Eve believed a lie, right? And then their first reaction was to hide. Yep. And we've always done that. You know, we hide from God uh, and we're believing something that's not fully true about ourselves. Um, mm. And then all of the human history, we've been finding different ways to do that. Yeah. You know, different ways to, to lie to ourselves, to each other. Um, in our modern culture, you know, there's just so much... Um, 
I guess for the last 50, 60 plus years, there's been the whole advertising thing. It was all the stuff thrown at you, create discontent in you that I don't have enough unless I have this thing. My life's not complete unless I have those shoes or, you know, I dress up like someone from Squid Game or whatever. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, it's all the stuff that I'll be a bit more complete if I have those things, which is yep. a lie, clearly. I mean, we're yep. not going to be complete with those things, but it helps us to spend money to keep the economic wheels moving uh, so there's lies in that if we place our identity into those things social media is another one i mean just the comparison culture of yep. um instagram where we have this image of someone all sort of you know photoshopped up and we compare our raw selves to them and it's it's a um it's not a game we're going to win when we're comparing our highlights real their highlights real to our outtakes yes. <laughs> you know like i mean you know our day-to-day -day, our mundane like it's not a fair fight um and now that's all been packed onto a phone that just reminds you of these things every you know notifies so um we are surrounded by these things that try to um give us value and we can get sucked into believing that these things uh, name us in a sense. Mm. So getting away from those things, I'm not saying we burn our phones and you know get away from advertising, we can't do it in our world, but quietening those voices and creating space away from those in silence and solitude, where we can then sit and allow God's voice to, in the silence, start to speak over those. That's sounds really simple it's actually really hard to do because we're yes. so conditioned to all those yes. things and even when you turn off the radio and the tv and the phone you've still got that stuff same as adam and eve rattling around in our heads it takes time to get that away henry henry newman tells a story of how um there's the, um, there's an imaginary guy that has his, his the gates to his house open all the time and people turn up and have all these parties and wild times and everything and they're so used to that and then one day he closes the gates people can't come in um and they turn up and they're like what the heck they start banging on the door making all this noise let us in let us in let us in um and so there's that whole thing but then eventually they realize they're not coming back and then they start to drift away and so for us creating silence tough to start with because we're so used to all these swirling noises and voices both external and internal they're so used to having control over us but with patience and discipline and it really is habit forming we've got into the habit over the years of our lives of interacting with all that stuff and believing those false truths about who we are what our identity is it takes time it takes mm. i mean spiritual disciplines is discipline's not the best word because it's like discipline but it's spiritual For, habits. formation yeah it's formation I christian like habits too. new yep. habits that we form and that takes time it takes time to build that muscle memory again yeah. but it's keeping turning up yeah. day after day even if you don't feel like you get anything back in that space keep doing it because it does happen i think because you're talking about something that's happening in your mind and your soul like Part of it is you've encouraged people to, um, you know, silence and solitude, but the goal isn't to become a monk in the desert kind of scenario. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the goal is actually that those things that you're centered is often a term that you use um, in, the, in the presence of people yeah. or yeah. the hurriedness and distraction kind of going on. In some sense, that's, that's the goal that sits yeah. with it. I mean, the monks were awesome because they went and they lived this out, but the point even then was within community, even though they were out there, people would go and visit these guys and 
be transformed and, and influenced and, and taught by them. And so that then carried on when these people went back into the world. I'm talking like the, the Desert Fathers, St. Anthony and people way back, three, four hundred AD. Yep. Um, they, they escaped Roman culture because of the excesses and the, the, how they saw how bad it was going when it became Christian particularly. Um, right. So they escaped that, but it wasn't an escapism. It was, it was a drawing back in order to be centred and to pray for the world. They believed that they were holding up the world. Mm. And then as other people came out to visit them, they found healing from the world themselves and just being with them and being right. taught these practices that they could then bring back to their place. So for us, it's the same. It's not, you know, going away on a, on a weekend of solitude, not that that's the best place to start, but I mean, even even doing that, it's not withdrawing, it's not escapism, it's, it's finding a space where we can be rooted and, and God plant seeds in us when we're pulling away from that so that we can then re-engage the mm. world from a place of rest rather than a place of yes. angst, hurry, busyness, whatever. Yep, yep. Maybe this is the point where we talk a little bit about how it's, um, this is different from a mindfulness concept. You know, mm. mindfulness is this, these practices that have tended to come in all sorts of, of places and schools and workplaces and, and, and everywhere. And it has um, Eastern spiritual roots to it. Mm. There are some mm. elements of it that are that are just you know relatively secular on, on one kind of level. Um, but how, how do you think of it as different from this, you know, what um, this practice is? I think the reason that people are being drawn back to that is because they see uh, creating that space of mindfulness as an answer to the angst and busyness of our world. And in a sense, they're right. Um, you know, these Eastern traditions, they haven't been caught up in the busyness of our Western consumer world quite the right. same. So they see something in there as an antidote. Um, the thing is, as Christians, we've we've forgotten but for so much of our church history we've we've had the same people doing not yes. the same things but like that contemplative practice from um you know brother lawrence and Teresa of avila and i mean you know other people right the way through like that's but we've forgotten that probably only quite recently so but the difference is not just clearing our mind of everything and being at one with the universe but clearing our <laughs> mind in order to draw god into that space to allow god to speak into that space so that's that's the goal of Christian contemplative uh, tradition is to literally clear space where God can then come in. Right. You know, it's shutting down all the outside noises, all the, the distractions, so that we can hear God's quiet, still inner voice. Mm. Um, mm. I remember hearing someone talking about God's voice as being like a feather. Uh, it's it's so light that you could you could ignore it if you wanted to, or if it was busy and everything, you wouldn't even notice it. But yep. in the quiet, it's substantial enough that you can feel it, you yep. can pay attention to it, and you can, you know, you can then draw into it and become more attuned to that if you choose. Yes. So it's it's like that. Um, it's not massive, substantial. God doesn't yell at us. He, he, for some reason, he won't yell. So it's actually, he's near. He's always near. Um, but it's up to us to create space where he can speak into us and I think he wants to speak to us gently because that brings peace and healing to us mm. I think you know this is where that the guidance of scripture as our primary revelation of who God is and how God operates is, is critical isn't mm, it huge but then I I understand as I get that intellectual sort of understanding from that there's a movement of that into into my soul and making it real and part of that voice is 
Um, if, if I hear it as a condemning voice, I know it's mm. not a God voice, no. right? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. doesn't mean he doesn't convict us yeah, <laughs> about, yeah. about things, areas yeah. in our life. But, but that's a, a conviction out of a desire for us to be more like Christ. So that starting to hear that voice, if I'm hearing it as condemnation, I'll recognize, okay, yeah. that's not it. But then I recognize more and more, as you say, what that is like. Yeah, because God's big program isn't just sin management, like he's fixed sin. Like it's reconciliation, like it's, it's reconciling us to God. It's Amen. like the prodigal son returning home and not just father's like, oh, you're back, that's cool, you can live out the back or whatever. The father wraps his arms around him. The son has all these excuses and the whole thing, he knows what a loser he's been, but the father just cuts straight past that and hugs him and put on a feast and clothes him in a robe and puts a ring on his feet, finger, which signifies not just sonship but heirship, like yes. he's his heir again. He's restored into who he was always meant to be. And that's God's picture for us. And then, and then when the older brother has a grumble, um, the father says, I've always been with you. Everything I have is yours. Yeah. You know, there, there's a promise to us in, in both of those pictures. Uh, and maybe for us, that have been in Christian tradition all our lives, we've not necessarily strayed and squandered you know, everything. We're the older brother and God's yeah. reminding us that he's always with us. And everything we have is, you know, th there's that reconciled relationship as to who we are, not what we do, um, that that names and identifies us, who we are in God. Um, so the reconciliation thing then means that it's actually around a healing of our wounds as well, you know, salvation right. being us being saved, but also being salved, you know, that word of actually God bringing healing to us. So yes, God will convict us of the things that are in us, the shadow parts of us that he wants to speak into, but not because he's condemning us. It's like, it's terrible that you keep doing that. He's like, I love you. You, you, you don't see yourself as I see you in Christ. Yes. I want to draw you to that. And so he wants to, you know, however he speaks to us, it will bring us to a place of healing. That's always God's program. And so he may heal with a soothing balm. He may heal with salt <laughs> or a hot iron uh, to cauterize. I mean, but the program is still healing. You right. know, we may go through really tough times. Yes. You know, times of uh, ill health, times of loss, times of all, all these things. But God is doing something through those. They're all meaningful. Mm. Um, it's, really good. it's pressing into God in those rather than drawing back or trying to control them, but actually allowing God to do what God does, mm. what only God can do. Mm. It's a good image in that parable, isn't it? Because we forget the parable is primarily written to people who are like the oldest mm, son. Yeah. You know, that was his audience. Um, and it was two ways that the, the brothers missed the relationship with the father yeah. and we can be there in that same way and yeah. the older brother man he's he can't join in a celebration he's missing yeah. out on the joy he's too busy doing he's yeah. a doer he's like but i've been doing all the stuff and we're yeah. such a doing culture you know we're so programmed around doing achieving succeeding and maybe it's like mary and martha right like it's it um I forget which one's which, but there was one of them that was just sitting at Jesus' feet, just soaking it in, and his sister was like, what the heck, like, I'm trying to prepare this thing, yeah. and Jesus is like, nah, you're missing out, it's not that the doing bad, it's that if it's out of balance with the being, yeah. it's both and, it's being and Jesus. Right. So let's explore, um, we're going to look at three uh, of these of these practices, so let's work our way sort of through them. I'll, I'll start with the centering prayer one, mm. Mark, because that's one that... Uh, you find helpful yeah. help kind of through the through the day. Yeah, well, it was actually starting the day. Like actually, I mean, just getting up that little bit earlier. I mean, you know, we're talking about practices that you know sort of bring 
you know, create more space, but we're actually getting up earlier. So it's like, no, you're talking about more stuff, but it's like, <laughs> you know, I get less sleep. Um, but actually just getting up that little bit earlier and just, I don't know, in a, in a, in a simple quiet space, just with a coffee or lighting a candle and just sitting and not before you go to the devotion or anything, just sitting and just resting and just bringing to mind a simple, uh, just a simple verse, a verse that you've already memorized. Um, could be the first line of Psalm 23 or uh, John 3.16, you know, the, the ones that just most people know. Just centering on that and picking one word, one phrase, one name or an attribute of God. You know, the Old Testament's full of different names of God, like just focusing on one attribute and then just repeating it like God, love, um, provider, Jehovah Jireh, provider, yeah. uh, the God who sees, as Hagar said, um, and focusing on that and then moving into praying for or uh, all these, you know, reading, you know, a devotion. But then as the day carries on and everything gets busy and everything's going on, actually just stopping at a, whether it's a certain point when the when the old school watch goes beep beep at nine o'clock, ten o'clock, just stopping and just recalling that phrase that you remembered and bringing right. yourself back to that. Doing it again at lunchtime, just a quick prayer at lunchtime, like just as the day gets busy and it will. And I'm a busy person. Like I've, I've got a really fast moving mind. There's always something wearing away in there. But actually, just pausing that and just bringing yourself back to that place, and then starting again from okay. rest rather than busyness. Like it's just a, it's a really simple thing. Um, so so it's the idea is this single thought at the start of the day yeah. and you're just bringing returning to that through through the day as a practice yeah yeah just just drawing you back to that centering that that center where god is and this is all going to be okay this is god's in this he was in this when i was there first thing before the noise yep. started he's still there yeah um yeah yeah that's good. I like that. Because often we're going, whoa, what do I pray about? I've got to find some new things, da 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 da. Was, this is just, it's a, it's a, it's a constant in a, in a particular space. Yeah. And then there's an end of day one, examine. Yeah. So this is an old practice that comes back from um, Ignatius of Loyola. Uh, Ignatius, yeah. And <laughs> it, it's an, oh, this is going back like five, six hundred years. And so a practice that he developed and his followers still follow. Um, generally, at the end of the day it's a reflective practice so actually it's sort of four or five parts where just stopping um you know again after you've put the tv off and the phone to bed and all that sort of stuff and before you go to bed yourself just stopping in a quiet place and just asking god's presence to come near to us and god you've been there the whole day come now give me eyes to see my day through the, through, with the guiding of the Holy Spirit and then reflecting on the day, reflecting on all of the stuff that happened, when we got busy or flustered or when something cool happened, that interaction with that person, that unexpected event. God, where were you in that? God, what were you showing me in this? Uh, so it's actually reviewing your day almost like from remote, like from the balcony looking down on your right. day and then with the Holy Spirit guiding us to like, oh, God was in that. Um, and that was cool. Or actually, I missed something in that. I didn't get that right. Like I reacted out of fear or anxiety or when God was there. And just reflection's so good. It's such a tool for learning. Uh, and we, when we're in a hurry, that's generally the first thing that goes. You rush on to the next thing without stopping, pausing, reflecting, and seeing a different way of looking at it. And then just simply praying that, 
God would give us rest for the night and yeah. guidance for the next day yes. and an opportunity to face the same thing again but to do it better to remember God's presence in it. Mm. So again, it's a it's a long journey but change happens slowly. It's mm. building new muscle memory. Mm. Yeah, well, I don't think we're a particularly reflective culture or self-reflective, yeah. you know, of just yeah. reviewing, reviewing the day. Um, it's, it's, it's really, really helpful. I remember Ian Grant saying, if parents um, sat on the end of their children's bed at the end of the day and just asked two questions, what went well for you today, what went not so well yeah, for you today, yeah, yeah. that it would actually solve a lot of our uh, problems with just mental wellness, yeah, yeah. you know, and and uh, why wouldn't we do that with yeah. God? You often don't life? see it in the fluster of the moment, but you see it when all the emotions have come down. Yep. You're looking back onto it, you're like, ah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, speaking it out and, yeah. and and getting some stuff on. And the third one is lectio divina. Now, yeah. I had an opportunity last week uh, to sit and do one of these that you l- led us through, and I just want to make a comment before you describe it as like um, we went through a part of Psalm 18. And had these visual images and you led us through them and then I um, like I can still remember part of the images there of God reaching down and mm. make um, moving us into a spacious place and uh, you know I when I think of it I, I feel the emotion that I had with it a week and a week and a bit ago even when I'm thinking of bringing that image to mind so it helped me both remember the scriptures and the image and what God was wanting to make me feel with it. Yeah. So it's a very, very helpful practice. But yeah. you want to describe what what is involved in that? Yeah, so Lectio Divina literally means, it's Latin, I think, for um, divine reading or, or holy reading. So reading scripture, but with the Holy Spirit guiding us and, and getting it past the inside, like, like, oh, that word means this and that phrase is used there and repeated, but actually letting it get down into the heart, into mm. the emotions and actually. So it's, again, simply stopping first and just allowing our breathing just to and just being present like just just pushing away all the noises and then and then reading like a simple passage and yeah, it was psalm 18 we read which is full of imagery but i mean it can be any psalm it can be words of jesus it can yep. be a number of things simple short like just keep it simple and just read through it slowly uh, with the first reading, just look out for a word or a phrase, something that the Holy Spirit brings to mind that's like, why did that word stick out? And for you, it was uh, God reaching down. Yeah. I mean, the one that catches me and that is delight God delights. Yes. And it's delight, how cool is that? And then just focusing and meditating on that in silence for just a minute, five minutes, whatever's comfortable. Like just, but stretching ourselves to actually stay in that. And then what pictures does God bring around that? Then reading the verse again, the same verse again, and then this time asking ourselves, what emotion does this bring to mind? Mm. You know, is it an emotion of joy? Is it peace? Is it anger? Is it sadness? Is it grief? Is it, um, you know, what's, is it numbness? Like, what, what's going on in there? And what is God trying to tell us through that emotion? Like, what is, what is, what is that emotion trying to teach us about where we're at, about what God's trying to teach us in that? And again, just meditating on that. Like, just sitting in that for a minute or two, five. And then a third reading, reading it once more, and this time looking for the invitation and that what is God inviting us into? Where is he drawing us forward? What what healing is he trying to give? What progression or um, you know, learning is in there? Mm. And then again, just meditating on that and then giving thanks to God. So mm. um, 
I mean, we're sort of dogged social media and phones and sort of stuff as distraction tools, but um, an app uh, for our phones, uh, Lectio 365, it's brought out by 24-7 Prayer, International um, Prayer Network, um, grew out of the UK, and they've created this app which put your phone on the do not disturb so you don't get disturbed <laughs> by the text notification or messenger or whatever, um, and then just go through this app, and it's just a guided Lectio reading. They have two per day. They have one in the morning and one in the evening. The evening's kind of examinish, like it's sort of reflective in the morning ones, just a simple guided reading, like just taking a taking a verse, reading through it slowly. What what does it bring? And then um, doing it again, and then again, just with that, just letting it sink from here down into here, and actually getting to the emotions, getting past the emotion, getting to the gut, getting to the instincts. What is my what is this bringing out of my body? What uh, a knot in my stomach? Why is that there? I mean, it's, we're we're all different wired, but it's engaging our whole selves rather than just just up here not that this is bad but this is pretty well oiled this thing up here like you're getting down into what's really going on yeah yeah and they're working it together aren't they i'm loving god with my mind because i'm he's revealed it in particular ways with words and in a story so i can Mm. understand it with my mind but i meant to feel it with my heart and embed it in my soul and so these different practices working in in together do that formation stuff Mm. it's like the guy goes to the gym and just works out his biceps he's like (laughs) he's got massive guns but he's got chicken legs so i mean it's it's working ourselves as a whole person you know so that we can be yeah no just good um, so there's an opportunity Thursday, 24th of March. If you're listening yes. to this past that date, that's fine. We're going to organise some other days. But if you're here uh, before then, then Thursday, 24th of March at 7.30 in the yep. Corfi Room at yep. Rally Street, um, come along there and we'll do one of these practices together. Yep. Um, but watch out for other opportunities. Yeah. Just encourage you to to just um, start practising some and, and, and doing them and seeing what yeah. uh, comes about. And I appreciate that in the, at the beginning it feels like, oh, one more thing that I've got to come to like what the heck like I'm already busy but I encourage you to try it because it's not we're starting this new thing it's just showing these little things that are actually sometimes better caught than taught like actually being a part of it and experiencing it and like ah, oh, like you were saying that that, that lectio we did last week that actually wow it was quite impactful for you yeah and so just experiencing it and you don't have to come every week but it's something that you can learn to actually do in your own space that just again grounds us it helps us dig in deep roots oh thank you thank you very much Mark that's been really good to have that conversation in regards to prayer and some of these practices that you have been able to investigate so um, appreciate your time i hope this has been a blessing to you thank you for listening in i pray that you are able to use this to grow in your fellowship and communion with god in your daily life blessings